Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ALN Academy podcast. In our previous masterclass, Amin Musa provided an introduction to the foundational principles of PPPs and project financing, and to the integral role of contracts in the structuring of PPP projects. The objective of today's masterclass is to introduce participants to the importance of proper risk allocation to the success of PPP projects. This masterclass is part of a series of virtual trainings that the ALN Kenya and Arwalankana's Projects and Infrastructure Department has prepared on public-private partnerships and project finance. Amin Musa is a partner and the head of the Projects and Infrastructure Department at ANK and is generally considered the leading energy and projects lawyer in Kenya. He specializes in energy, projects, infrastructure, natural and renewable resources, as well as real estate and privatization. I am pleased to introduce to you Amin Musa. Uh, my name is Amin Musa, and I head our projects and infrastructure practice at Anjawala in Kana. The purpose of this session today is to discuss uh, public-private partnerships, uh, especially given the increasing importance we are seeing being placed by many governments, including the Kenyan government, on financing infrastructure through public-private uh, partnerships. We will now move to, frankly, what is my favorite topic, uh, when it comes to PPPs and project finance. Uh, and this is risk allocation. Understanding risk as a practitioner, uh, whether you're in government, private sector, lender, lawyers, insurance, uh, is fundamental uh, to being able to put together a well-structured PPP. It is being the ability to identify a risk firstly, understand that risk, and then manage and allocate it appropriately is key to PPPs. And the standard principle uh, that all sound practitioners use in understanding this very complex uh, area is ideally, in an ideal world, risk should be allocated to the party that is best able to control and manage that risk. This simple one-line principle, in my view, is fundamental to getting a better understanding of the more complex issues around risk allocation. So what do we mean by risk and risk allocation? The starting point is to identify risk. You take a project and you ask yourselves, depending on which side of the table I sit, what are these risks? And remember, depending on whether you are government, whether you are the private party, whether you are a lender, whether you are insurance, your 
how you react to risk can be very different. How you manage that risk can be very different. But the starting point must be the ability of all parties to identify the risk. There are many projects that we have seen that have failed, frankly, quite miserably is because surprisingly, all the parties put together failed at the very initial stage to even identify some fairly fundamental risks. On typical standard projects, the typical risk issues that will arise include the following. The first one is the ability to build an asset as per specification, within budget, and on time. This is what we call completion risk. And like I said earlier, one of the key reasons government want to move from traditional public procurement to PPPs is because many governments have come to appreciate and understand that sometimes they are not best placed to handle what we call completion risk. <clears throat> this ability to build on time at the right quality within budget is sometimes better placed with the private sector who do this routinely, potentially all over the world. And so the government wants to pass on completion risk to the developer. And then it is now up to the developer to understand how do I manage this risk given the fact that this risk has now been passed on to me, the developer, by the government. And there are various structures around how you do that. There are a whole variety of subsectors under, under completion risks uh, that need to be considered. One of these key subsectors would be construction risk. And so typically a developer will try and pass on as much construction risk as possible to his contractor. And we will look at in the next sessions uh, of this training program, how developers structure construction contracts. Specifically, EPC contracts uh, are generally used uh, as construction contracts for project finance transactions. And we will explain to you how developers pass on a fair amount of construction risk from themselves having received it from government and how they pass it on to the contractor. The developer will also want to consider operational risks. This is typically another risk that the government passes on to the private sector and the developer having received this risk needs to figure out how do I pass this onwards potentially to a third party? There may be instances where the developer says, because of my experience in operating these assets, I will take on that risk and I will not appoint a third party 
to operate these assets. <clears throat> but if the developer is not comfortable in operating these assets because they lack the experience, they will typically appoint a third party operator under what we call an O&M agreement. Another contract that we will look at in more detail in the later stages uh, of this training session. The other fundamental risk that an off-taker is going to have to consider is what we call market risk. So if you take a look at the standard gauge rail project, which is developed through traditional procurement, market risk sits with government. If people use the rail or don't use the rail, that market risk sits with government. So the question is, if the government decides under a PPP model to pass on that risk to the private sector, how does the private sector manage that risk? Does the private sector enter into what we call take or pay off-take agreements where somebody else guarantees to take the service and pay for the service? Or does it re rely on the ultimate end user, which could be the citizen of the country or the residents of that country to directly pay for that service? And therefore the private developer is taking what we call market risk. There are a number of ways to structure uh, these transactions but understanding market risk and how you allocate market risk and manage market risk is another one of those fundamental risk allocation issues that must be considered in significant detail, both by government and the private party. In addition to that, there are credit risk issues for all the various counterparties that need to be considered. The government will need to consider whether the private party they have appointed actually have the financial capability of bringing this project to life, to actually developing and building this project. It is therefore not unusual in many instances for the government, in addition to doing a due diligence uh, on the credit risk of the developer, demanding financial guarantees from the developer, uh, especially in the event the developer is unable to fulfill its commitments. The developer in turn has his own counterparties, contractors, operators, does the contractor have the financial capability of constructing the project? Uh, and what if they run into trouble? Uh, and so again, it is not unusual for developers to seek performance guarantees, advance payment guarantees, and other financial securities to get more comfortable around the credit risk of their counterparties like the contractors and the operators. <clears throat> and once again, when we look at the individual contracts, 
we will look at these issues of securities and guarantees uh, in more detail and what we have seen in the market in terms of how you structure these security and guarantee arrangements. If the project is dependent on receiving certain inputs, like fuel, whether it may be steam, <clears throat> it may be diesel, it may be biomass, how do we ensure that the project is able to receive these inputs so that it can operate efficiently? So it's not unusual for supply or offtake agreements to be signed, whereby third parties are guaranteeing supply of this input to the developer. There are risks associated <clears throat> with cost increases, financial risks that need to be considered by all parties. What if the local currency devalues? Who bears that risk? <clears throat> Is it the government? Is it the developer? Is it the contractor? What if interest rates go up or down? Who bears that risk? And how do you mitigate that risk? And again, we will look at some of these mitigation remedies, whether they are hedging arrangements or whether they are contractual risk allocation structures <clears throat> that allow counterparties to manage this risk. To give you an example, in the power sector, the issue of currency risk is managed through a regulatory process by which the end consumer, the user of the power, ultimately takes foreign currency risk. So if you receive your power bill, probably to your annoyance, you will see a charge that is called a Forex charge. And every time the shilling devalues, a charge is placed on the ultimate consumer <clears throat> which money then goes to the off-taker, which is Kenya Power. And the reason that happens is, in many cases, Kenya Power has a power purchase agreement with the developer, but the tariff is denominated in a foreign currency. Uh, you are seeing significant debate, uh, not just in Kenya, but across sub-Saharan Africa, about who should bear foreign currency risk. Should we, for example, have local currency PPAs rather than US dollar or Euro denominated power purchase agreements? And frankly, that is a, a very fair question. But what I always say to especially government and regulators is there is no such thing as a free lunch. So on one hand, you can convert your contracts into shilling contracts. But bear in mind that there is a possibility that that may result in an increase in tariff so that that increase in tariff can deal with the foreign currency risk. In my view, the simple risk lesson that I always bear in mind when structuring a transaction is that you cannot wish away risk. 
You can only manage it or you can only mitigate it. You cannot make it disappear. And that's why I think it's very important when there are conversations between public sector and private sector, that very frank and honest conversation about risk is had. Because like I said, you cannot make risk disappear. You need to agree on how you manage and mitigate that risk. In addition to that, you have risks like political risks uh, that are another hot potato item in relation to who takes political risk. What is political risk? Political risk typically involves things like expropriation by government, actions of government that potentially frustrate or kill projects, change in law events, change in tax events, and therefore you will typically have a fairly hard-nosed negotiation with government about what constitutes political risk, which portion of political risk will the government bear, which portion of political risk will the private party bear, and can that private party pass on that risk to a, to a third party like an insurer. In the diagram that we have put in front of you, we have set out what I call a traditional risk allocation structure that in some sectors we used to see 10 years ago. Uh, in some new sectors of PPPs, it may still probably apply. And I think you can see just visually where traditionally the risk primarily sat. And that was with government. Government, notwithstanding the fact that it went through a PPP process rather than a traditional procurement process, found itself still taking the lion's share of risk. Now, I must say, some people argue that simply on its face, that is unfair for government. My view is that in certain sectors where you are starting this process, uh, if you think about the power sector 15 years ago, uh, when this country was facing blackouts and there was a desperate need for private sector intervention to provide power plants so that we could supply the country with power. It was not unusual in those cases where there was no track record of what we call the IPP model, the independent power producer model, uh, where there was no track record and therefore government still took a fair amount of risk. They would take political risk, they would take risk in relation to land, development and use of transmission and distribution systems. In many cases, they would take fuel supply risk. Uh, they would take certain economic risks in relation to foreign exchange, interest rate changes, and by and large would take all political risk. 
The developer, on the other hand, would effectively take the risk of building the asset on time and on budget. They would ensure that they take the technology risk, the financial risk, the operational risk. And like I said earlier, if you look at the power sector 15 plus years ago, it made sense for the government to pass on this construction and operational risk to a third party so that we could have generation plants providing power to this country. But the government still maintained a fair degree of risk, as you can see in this chart. Having said that, as sectors develop, as governments develop track records, successful track records, uh, you are now finding governments negotiate away from the traditional risk allocation structure. And so in our experience, we have had very interesting conversations with government. And in my view, in some cases, rightfully so, uh, where government says to the private party, we would actually like to have a conversation about certain types of risk that either we believe we are not best suited to take on the risk or because of our track record, our very successful track record, we believe you, the private party, should take on more risk. Uh, and we are increasingly finding this conversation. And I think as long as this conversation is held in the right spirit, it is held with a clear understanding of risk, uh, I believe, frankly, this is a healthy situation uh, that occurs between private parties and public sector. Because if you do not have this conversation, in my view, actually, what generally happens is the government loses faith and confidence in the PPP model. And they revert back to the traditional procurement uh, model. We have frankly seen that in many countries in Africa, <clears throat> where in countries like Tanzania, in Ghana, the governments rightfully or maybe wrongly believed that they got the short end of the stick on certain PPP projects and frankly decided to abandon uh, in some sectors or if not all sectors, the PPP model and go back to the traditional procurement structures. And in my view, I don't think that kind of situation helps the industry. It doesn't help government. It doesn't help the people of the country. It doesn't help the private sector. So I think we are all for having a sensible conversation about many issues that you see <clears throat> in the middle of these two circles uh, and where you have government asking, for example, are we government best placed to take terrorism risk? And so the question both government and private sector should be asking is, well, is there a third party insurer 
that is capable of taking insurance, uh, that is capable of taking terrorism. And actually, if we can find that, but understand that there is a cost. The moment you move away from self-insurance by the government to taking insurance by the private party, there is a cost. And that cost will be reflected in the ultimate tariff or the fee that is being charged by the private party to either the government or to the direct end user. <clears throat> so as long as you have that open and frank discussion, there are areas of mitigating some of these risks. So we have seen, for example, conversations with certain governments where the private sector says, as long as this risk is insurable, we will find a private party to take on that risk. We will pay that private party to take on that risk, but we will add that cost into our financial model. But if in the future, that risk becomes uninsurable by the private party, then we would like to have a conversation with government about how we deal with this risk. If you take the example of transmission risk uh, in relation to power projects, you now find a hybrid solution under our feed-in tariff uh, policies and regulations where it is the obligation of the private party to build a transmission interconnection that connects to the, inter that connects to the existing grid. So there is a portion of transmission risk that has been passed on to the private party. However, the private party says, once I have built this infrastructure, we should then transfer it to you because I do not have the regulatory ability to operate a transmission line. I will then transfer it to the relevant government authority and then at that point in time, the risk passes from the private party to the government in relation to the operations and maintenance of the transmission infrastructure. And in this way, we find very interesting conversations that are going on between private parties and government around how to manage and deal with some of these risk areas. Like I said, ultimately, I think it's in the benefit of all parties <clears throat> where government enters into a transaction where they have fully understood the basket of risks, they are comfortable with the risks they are taking, and they are comfortable with the risks they have passed on to the developer. Because that ultimately is what will allow this sector to develop further where we will see more and more projects develop in this manner and therefore allowing the government to free up resources to potentially use in other areas like health. If you think about the impact <clears throat> the COVID pandemic has had, not just on the economy of the country, but on the government budget. Thank you for listening to us. 
In our next masterclass on public-private partnerships and project finance, Amin will take us through a brief introduction to project finance, a topic that will continue to be addressed in our series of projects and infrastructure masterclasses. Please remember to subscribe to our ALN Academy podcast to be notified when we upload more content. Visit us at our ALN Academy YouTube channel and don't miss our next episode. Bye.